Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com slash dialthegate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Welcome, everyone, to Episode 3. My name is David Reed. Thank you so much for sticking around. We just wrapped up with Tony Amendola, and we're going straight into Joseph Malazzi. This will not normally happen. This was a, a due to a schedule change, so I'm going to have a little bit more time to prep next time. So thank you, Tony, for, for pinch hitting for Christopher Judge. Again, there was something like perfect about that. And then, uh, as well, we now have Mr. Joseph Malazzi, who was gracious enough to hold on for a minute. So we had to we had to shift things a little bit around. Uh, and we're going to get pretty much right into this here. So run of show. So in this particular episode, it's going to be a little bit more standard um, to the intent of what the show is going to be. Uh, Joe and I are going to talk for a little bit. I have a series of uh, questions for him. Then I will bring the uh, guests uh, Q&A in. I do have the form uh, pulled up. So thank you, Summer, Tracy, Ian, and Keith for all of your hard work here. Those are my moderators. Those guys are amazing. Um, for Tony's, the I got a, I screwed up on which form we were viewing. There was something that went wrong. So Tony has already agreed to do another episode. We will launch with that fan Q&A next time around. So I've saved them all. Um, so I appreciate you guys submitting those. But Joe's, I've got ready to go here. The fans, as you submit them, we will go through and discuss those together. Joe and I will have a brief trivia question where we embarrass ourselves. And then uh, any uh, announcements, any questions that you have for me specifically on the structure of the show, I'll give you another piece of wonderful fan art that's submitted and invite you to share the show with your Stargate friends, which I'm going to go ahead and do again um, right now. So I really appreciate uh, you sticking around for, for the program. Before we get started with Joe, if you like Stargate and want to see more content like this on YouTube, it would mean a great deal if you click the like button. It really makes a difference with YouTube's algorithm, a difference with you. YouTube's algorithm and will definitely help the show grow its audience. Please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend. And if you want to get um, notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. Giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops and you'll get any of my notifications of any last minute guest changes. This is key if you plan on watching live, so keep that in mind. Clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next several days on both the Dial the Gate and GateWorld.net YouTube channels. Uh, I'm not trying to spam everyone with my channel, but it's taking more of the, the longer form uh, approach and shrinking it down to more bite-sized episodes and more specific topics so that people can can share that with one another so that's all i've got i hope you enjoy the show without further ado mr joseph malazzi hello sir david i i rarely say this but i feel woefully underdressed today well <laughs> is, that, is that a clip-on or that uh you did you very impressive it's the real deal absolutely I appreciate you guys being here. You can wear whatever. You can be in your PJs I, if you want, but I, I wanted feel, you to know. 
I feel very special. Uh, I um, I cannot thank you enough, and I and I mentioned this to you uh, before we started. I cannot thank you enough and tell you how much of what it means to to be here with you in a first episode of what will hopefully be a series for the next, you know however long that it takes to get through the content content of a show that you helped to create that has changed the lives of, or at least at the very least enhanced the lives of millions of people around the world for, you know, for the past uh, decade and a half. And who knows how far out it will be into the future and not just, not just uh, normal, you know, programming, but programming that matters to people and programming mm-hmm. that helps make them better people. So take it away. <laughs> well, well, I mean, thank you to you for uh, for for doing this. I'm, I, you know, I mean, I'm always happy to to you know put in an appearance. But you know, it's it's great that you know you're doing this for the fans, and I'm sure they appreciate it as well. Absolutely, and I'm I'm so thankful that the the number of people who have uh, have already found us on the web it, it, it's it's just we've been up for seven eight nine ten days and already we've got almost twelve hundred subscribers. I mean, wow. you know, Amazing. I there it's it's the drum that you have been beating for years. Stargate is still around and mm-hmm. it deserves to come back in a fourth series live action series form, wouldn't you say? I would say, and I have been saying, yeah. Absolutely. You have recently said five chevrons locked uh, mm-hmm. is what you believe is going on with this potential fourth series that Brad has been pitching to MGM. Can you elaborate you. on any of that? Not really. I mean, I'm, to be honest with you, not as in the loop as, as many would assume. Uh, it's very much Brad's show, both figuratively and literally. And, um, you know, all, all we know is, you know, what he said, he, he'd been in talks with MGM and, um, you know, I know things had kind of moved forward. I know that, uh, COVID put a, uh, a wrench into things, but I'm, I'm, I'm ever hopeful. And I, I think the, um, the tweet storms that we, we, that we did helped to remind MGM that the fandom is still out there. The fandom is very much looking forward to new Stargate. The fandom is very much looking forward to new in canon Stargate, mm-hmm. uh, which would mean a new Stargate series by Brad Wright. So, you know, hopefully all that hard work pays off. You know, I keep on saying sooner than later. But hopefully, you know, not later than sooner or however. Yeah, I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's one of these things, uh, these these things take a long time to, to create. You know, it takes it takes a long time to give birth to a project. It can take development hell, you know, can can last years. Yep. So, yeah. But hopefully that won't be the case with this. So hopefully not. Is it your hope to be part of the production, or will you be cheering Brad on from the sidelines? What's what's your um, intent? I really have no intent and no okay. expectations. I mean, I'm, I, I just would love to see a new Stargate um, on screen again. I think it would be great, and it would be just great to revisit with all those characters as well. You, you know, as as even just a viewer. Mm. So. Like okay. I said, I'm, I, uh, you know, I mean, it would be nice, but, you know, it, it, it all comes down to obviously scheduling and, and, and a whole host of other. So it's not a requirement for you that, you know, oh, Brad, you know, if I, the only reason I'm rooting this on is because I want you, no, uh, I want you to bring no. me in. No, you, you no, love the project. No, you love the, you love the, the IP. So. I, well, more than anything, I, you know, I love the IP that uh, Brad and Robert and Jonathan created Yes. Um, and 
I love the IT, uh, the IP, and I love the possibility of seeing another in canon series. But as much as I dislike the thought of someone else coming in and just uh, you know rebooting it and 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 erasing twenty years of, of TV canon, so you know I'm very much a uh, a supporter of of new. Um, Brad Wright, Stargate. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, I will be very much a uh, uh, probably a um, a dubious um, uh, what's the word uh, critic of uh, of any attempt to uh, reboot the franchise. Well, you know, coming from your perspective, and you guys, you guys worked on this for years. Uh, the the meticulous level of detail and effort that you went to creating that you went that you put into creating content that perpetually referenced itself moving forward and gave the fan base an expectation that what i watched before matters to what's coming next to lift that all away into a new project i wouldn't necessarily myself have an issue with new stargate if it weren't to delete everything else, but just be like far enough, like into the future or something like that, where it didn't necessarily matter anymore. It wasn't necessarily stepping on the toes of what you created in the present timeline, for instance, but kind of like what I kind of, kind of suppose I'm saying is like what they did with Star Trek, the alternate uh, reality where we're not deleting anything. We're moving over here to this mm-hmm. layer. But if I had my choice, obviously and that's one of the well, reasons I, mean, I have you but, guys on. I mean, I'd want a continuation of yours. But that is still in canon. I mean, I'm you know, even though in an ideal world you create a new show that allows you to revisit old characters, you could do what you said and create a show that is somehow set in the future, but you're still making use of the rules that were established in SG one, Atlantis, and Universe. So that you know, that that is still very much an in canon show, so far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's not strictly a reboot where you know, the right. IP is starting from, you know, from square one and moving forward exactly. again. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, what would you hope to see in a fourth series? What have you guys not done? I mean, like, obviously um, I mean, disclosure I can think of, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously that's, that's really up to, Bla- to, to Brad. But, you know, I keep saying that obviously the best possible fourth season would be a fourth series would be a show that would be a great jumping on on point for new viewers so you you don't have to know anything about stargate and you essentially uh join the adventure along with a a cast of new characters and i think that's what you have to do Mm. but that's not to say you can't have some characters from the past uh playing a supporting role Mm -hmm. um so, I mean, in an ideal world, it's something like, you know, a show that, that offers the best of both worlds. Yeah. And, and you know, what, what made Stargate really, I think, resonate with a lot of fans is the fact that it was set in the here and now. It's a contemporary sci-fi rather than a far future sci-fi. It's about us. Or, uh, yeah. Or, uh, or a prequel. prequel. I'm, uh, I'm personally not a huge fan of prequels. So, uh, uh, you know, that's where I, uh, that's where I land. Uh, I'm not speaking out of school. Brad, Brad had we had talked a couple of years ago at uh, at GateCon um, for an interview for uh, season two of Dialing Home, and I asked him, you know, what what did you want to do next? 
And I'll, I don't know what his current plans are, but I can say what he told me was his his hope to create some kind of a situation where the Stargate Command uh, units and the Atlantis Expedition pooled their resources to save Destiny. And that mm. idea was just that. I mean, I don't know why I hadn't thought of that before. It was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The 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 other two teams, as it were, could come to the rescue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. And and there's no reason why that couldn't happen in a new series, a new series that still focuses on this 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 you know new team. So yeah, and over a longer mission yeah. could be happening in the background. Yeah, you know, these missions can take years. Yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, would you like to see some of the previous sets recreated physically, digitally? Um, I don't, again, I mean, I don't really know specifically what, uh, you know, sort of what the new show would be. So, I mean, I can't really speak to sets. I don't think, I mean, I can't imagine the show, um, starting on Atlantis or, or, or starting on uh, Destiny mm. or, or, or taking place at the SGC since I think they, they shut down Cheyenne Mountain. Um, unless it was a new, a sort of an all-new SGC. Or that moon possibly. base that they were talking about in yeah, Continuum. possibly. Right? I mean, they think you'd want you know, something new, something fun, flashy. Absolutely. I want to sidestep uh, Stargate for a second because I know that there are going to be Dark Matter uh, fans in here. Is it, and I have to bring myself up to speed on 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 this aspect of it. Uh, is the fourth season is a fourth season still a possibility somewhere out there? No, I, I, at this no. point, I would say um, the, the the one hope to being able to complete the story would be uh, a miniseries. So hopefully, like a six to eight to ten uh, episode miniseries that would be ideal. Okay, are you still? Uh, looking for potential um, networks that could potentially carry that? Are you, are you actively at pitching present, that to anybody? At present, I am not actively doing so, but, um, you know, it's, it's something that hopefully will come up in the not-too-distant future. Okay, fantastic. Well, keep us in the mm-hmm. loop, okay? I will. I want to take a step back here in terms of the long view of this, this arc, the arc that we're about to go on to, together, the journey that we're about to, to commence, where we're going through dozens and dozens of the episodes that you have written, hopefully every one of them one by one. But this episode is really about you. It is about your personal heroes and the people who have helped you become the man who you are. And I really want to go back to the beginning. So fans may be like, this isn't the question I, that I planned on you know, mm-hmm. getting the answer to. But I think that it's relevant when we look at the, the final result of what's to come. Where were you raised? What did your family do? Who, who were you as a young man? Uh, I was uh, raised in Montreal. Uh, my father was a salesman for a, uh, a, 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 a company that, uh, that manufactured um, what do they call space heaters, I guess. And my mother was a daycare director, formerly a, a, uh, a minister in the uh, United uh, Church. And so that was my background. And I, you know, I grew up in Montreal and, and I remember, um, you know, I always used to love to write as a kid and, and, and whenever people would ask me, what do you want to be? And I would tell them I want to be a writer. Oh, okay. And, yeah, and my mother would be like, well, that's cute, but you, you, no one makes a living 
uh, being a writer. I mean, you can be a journalist or a lawyer and you can write on the side. Um, so luckily I, I, I didn't really um, follow through on, on kind of law, the, that, that law uh, career. Um, so, I mean, I, I got my start in animation and transitioned from animation to live action kind of teen sitcom, a show called Student Bodies. And then I did one hour action adventure. And then pretty quickly, Paul and I landed, my former writing partner and I, Paul Mully, uh, and I landed on Stargate uh, for SG-1's fourth season. At the time, they were looking for, for, for new writers. And uh, we wrote a script called Scorched Earth that, uh, you know, past uh, inspection, I guess. And, uh, and then we landed for season four. And, you know, I keep on telling the story where we landed for season four with the understanding that we would go two seasons. And after season five, the show would end and we would all go our separate ways. Uh, you know, Boy, that didn't out. happen. No, it did not. <laughs> and I want to discuss Scorched Earth here here in a minute. So there was, so there was never um, any uh, plan for you, you. You never gave any serious consideration doing anything else. Professionally, uh, not really. I mean, I, I enjoyed writing. I honestly thought I would be a novelist, um, and um, I, I wrote a book, and it was terrible. And Paul advised me to try turning it into a script, and so I learned the script format, which is fairly straightforward, and and, and I adapted it, and, and my terrible novel became a equally terrible script. But it, you know, that starts somewhere, on man. The road. Yeah, <laughs> right. To be honest with you, and. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I decided that's what I wanted to do, screenwriting. And I applied to like, it was like a hundred, you know, production houses. And I think, you know, maybe six got back to me and said, no, thanks. But one, which was an animation uh, company said, well, you know, if you're interested in writing, you can pitch ideas for upcoming shows. And that's essentially the way it works. You, you know, you get sent a Bible or, or you know, a, a, a uh, overview of the series and you pitch ideas, and if they like your idea, then they hire you to write a script. And so my first script was for um, Richard Scarry's uh, The Busy World of Richard Scarry, a favorite of yours, an animated series. And uh, that was my first sale, and, uh, you know, I, uh, that's how I embarked on my career. Wow. Okay. And how old were you for the, when that was happening? It was fairly late, you know, late. I think I was, I was actually, before then, I, I, w I had an uh, office job. I was actually a director of development for uh, an animation stu uh, studio. So I want to say like early 30s. Okay. So you, yeah. you really, okay, so you had gotten into the industry fairly late in, in yeah. the scheme of things. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I just remember like, uh, not to belabor the point, but I, mm -hmm. I have this video of me at four years old where, my parents hand me a Fisher Price tape recorder with a, a recording button on it. And mm -hmm. uh, my parents say, you know, the boom, his dad's boom box, you know, we just couldn't see him lugging that around anymore. Um, and so that's how I was like, yeah, I got into recording and, and creating mm -hmm. content pretty, pretty early. Did, did anyone in your family write or did you nope. just sit down at a notepad one day and just start scribbling? You know, I used to, I, I, I still do love to read and it really started with comic books and and then you know I, I i continued and still continue to read comic books but my mother got me interested in science fiction the classics asimov and arthur c clark and harlan ellison mm, and so absolutely and and you know i would um i remember actually you know creating my own uh super group uh super team 
and 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 writing uh, little stories for them and writing. You know, I was a big fan of uh, uh, Ray Bradbury in in grade four writing. You know, these type of you know short stories with the the cool twist at the end. Which right. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like foundation, you know, it's, yeah. it's absolutely, a st- I, I, I read that for the first time just a few years. And I was like, man, that's good. You know, these, mm. these classics really hold they're they hold up for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see Stargate in the theaters? Uh, I did. I remember my writing partner, Paul, uh, calling to say, we have to check out this movie because we used to do something called bad movie night. And we saw I think, Barbed Wire and Boxing Helena and Battlefield Earth. Oh, and, Battlefield Earth. And our local uh, paper, the view, view, viewer, uh, um, rated it a bomb. And we're like, oh, this is this Stargate. terrible. Yes. In, while it's still in the theater. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and we went to see it. And we were like, I was actually disappointed because I was expecting a bomb. And it was not a bomb. It was actually, you know, quite good. So... That was my first exposure to Stargate. What hooked you? What hooked you in watching that? Uh, you say- know, I, I mean, simply the fact that it's sci-fi, first and foremost. Right. I mean, I just have always loved sci-fi. And, and, and it's what, I think, draws um, audience to the series. This, 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 you know, exploration, the action, the adventure, and also kind of that underlying sense of humor that um, um, I think is sorely lacking from a lot of science fiction today. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how old were you when you went, met Paul? When did, you, when did you guys meet? Paul and I met in a cre- creative writing class in, uh, in college. So you were students together? We yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Just desk mates or, you know, what was the, what was the connection there, you know? No, we were, um, uh, we met in a creative writing class and, um, I think actually we he, he uh, we were part of the same D and D group uh, as well. You played Dungeons played, and Dragons together. He played he he was he he played a monk, Cato the monk, and I was. Uh, this is uh, fantastic. Uh, my goblin uh, Delphos with the eighteen charisma. That's uh, you know. <laughs> uh, that's perfect. Yeah. Wyvern Gaming is coming out with the the new Stargate yeah. rollback. That's fantastic. All right, how long uh, did you know each other before you guys were like? We should try something together. You know, your sensibilities and mine, they cl- connect like Legos. I mean, I try to think back maybe like a couple of years. And, and um, you know, by that point, I think we wrote a, uh, we co-wrote a feature, a sci-fi feature. And um, and then I went off and, and got my start in animation. And I think at the time he was thinking of going and uh, heading off to do a PhD. And I was like, well, why don't you? Really? get into writing animation and then I you know he got into writing animation as well and then from there um at, at the beginning we didn't really work together but then we ended up landing a job in a, on a live action teen sitcom called student bodies that ended up shooting in a in a high school it was a great great time um and we were co-producers and from there we went to another show called um big wolf on campus to a show called lost world and then Quickly, we, you know, we immediately landed on Stargate, and you know, we were there for twelve years. Yeah, just a little bit of time. So, yeah. did you uh, did the opportunity to work on Stargate come up before you had seen the series, or did you see the series and say, "Okay, let's let's approach that"? I had seen the series. I'd seen an episode called Emancipation, and I was Captain like, Powers. 
Okay. Yeah, and I was like, this this series is not for me. I I'm, I'm just you know, and uh, and my uh, our agent uh, who also represented Robert C. Cooper. Uh, oh. Okay. Co-creator of uh, Atlantis and uh, Universe. And Universe. Um, said, hey, they're looking for writers. Would you guys be interested? And I said to Paul, I don't, I don't think I can write this show. I saw this episode and it's not really. But they had sent scripts. And I ended up reading the scripts and they were very good. And really in Season stark three? contrast. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and in stark contrast to the episode I had, I had watched. So we ended up pitching, I think, five ideas. And two of those ideas, they ended up buying um, Scorched Earth and, and Window of Opportunity. Um, well, actually, Scorched Earth was really the one that that got us the gig. So we got on the phone with uh, Brad and Robert, talked through our idea. Uh, they gave us some notes. We went out and wrote an outline. Uh, we delivered the outline. They sent us notes. And from there, we went to first draft. And based on the strength of our first draft, we were... Uh, offered uh, staff positions. For the so shows scorched Earth, the Incarens did it then. Yeah, yeah, they did. Thank you, Incarens. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah. I th- and I think it's interesting. You know, that particular episode. Uh, not only is it entertaining, but it's what sci-fi does at its best. It's a moral conundrum. It's mm-hmm. a rock and mm-hmm. a hard place situation for yeah. our team and the people that they're having to deal with. Yeah, you know the one. I don't say regret, but I mean, I, I love the moral conundrum and the, in the idea we originally pitched was not a happy ending. Um, really? It, yeah. I think uh, the, I think uh, Daniel convinces. Um, um, Lotan. It was Lotan to, to essentially shut down the terraforming process. And so the encampment, um, stay on the world and the Gadmir Parish. I mean, that I think wow. would have been a... a, a Ballsy. A very, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I like the episode. I mean, it was our first episode. I was happy with the way it turned out. Um, I just thought the the ending was a bit convenient in retrospect. Really? So if you had a chance to go yeah. back and do that, you would have made it a little bit more dark? I think I would have, yes. Wow. Yeah. And I love that episode, Joe. I don't know how I feel about yeah. that. <laughs> no. I mean, yeah, you're, I suppose it's like, yeah, you know, we, we researched the database and that planet was occupied because there are other incarons there. Oh, what, what do you say? There are other incarons? <laughs> so, oh, we can we can put them there? You can you don't expend yeah. fuel by traveling through space? Yeah. So, I mean, see, now you're thinking as a writer and that that's that that's the issue. I mean, when I used to go see movies with my ex, she used to hate to see movies with me because I used to pick apart uh any movie I would go see. And the same way when I, it's so hard to watch television and really enjoy a show now because you sit down as a writer and you think, well, actually that was convenient. The three C's are my pet peeves. So uh, what are they? Coincidence, contrivances, and conveniences. Uh, when writing? they work, yes. When they work, it, it's, they're um, something called result writing. If you, you want to get out of a situation, oh, coincidentally this happens or conveniently this happens. Um, you know, it feels undramatic and unearned. So I, I try to avoid that as much as possible. And, well, I, and I, I can certainly attest as a fan, you know, my appreciation mm. of, of, of the awareness of that. So thank you. Mm. Do you recall uh, at all the episodes that you had been sent in script form that had made you turn your head about Stargate and say, you know what, I can work with this? Um, I'd be interested to know. 
think. So you'd only watched Emancipation on television. You you never yes, that was the then only went went after got the scripts and sat down and watched Ergo or sat down and watched, you know, A Serpent Song. No, no. Well, okay. actually, I think this A Serpent Song was one of the scripts. Oh, so it's late season two. Yeah. Okay. okay. So A Serpent Song was one of the scripts. Another one was. Um, I loved it because it's like a pure sci-fi uh, story. It was it was by Heather Yash. What was it? The um, uh, your fingers flying over the. Uh, I'm finding it, if I can here. Writer. So she did in season three, Learning Curve, Foothold, and New Ground. Learning Curve. I love Learning Curve. That is an adorable story. That's that's mm-hmm. that's Stargate Chicken Soup at its purest. You know? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm always attracted to those standalone stories with the really purely sci-fi um, angle. So you know, whether it's technology based or or you're you know, you're kind of using a trope like mm-hmm. AU or uh, which is uh, alternate universes or, right. or time loops or time travel. You know, of, of any story, those are always my favorites. Absolutely, the the episode where you know, the time dilation. And words mm. words fail me right now, but the yeah. the the Stargate uh, connects near a, a black hole, and they're trying to you know disconnect from that. I love that episode. It's the yeah. only episode that um, that handled relativity, a matter of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, of time yeah. And you know, it's just it's just cool sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. After um, years and years, how often would you have a story idea that would just get crushed? Because either you had done it, or one of the other writers had done it, or another sci-fi franchise had done it. I mean, when you're constructing a show, there, this had there to have never, happened constantly. Yeah, there was never a time when we would pitch a show, uh, see, uh, an episode that had already been done on our show, because we already knew our show. Oh, okay. Uh, intimately. But um, invariably, there would be times when, you know, Brad, Brad was always the one to point out, Star Trek already did it. Was a right. Star Trek episode? He's a Star Trek fan, so, so yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, and so that would that would happen fairly regularly. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say fairly regularly. I mean, after the fourth season, I remember Paul coming into my office and sitting down, and he had, had this kind of exhausted look in his eyes, and and him telling me, uh, "I don't know how we're going to come up with new stories for season five. You know, after everything we come up with for season four, I think we're tapped out." Uh, but I found that as we went along, it actually became easier to to come up with stories because rather than generating those standalone uh, episodes, and if you look at a lot of the stuff we wrote in season four, they were very much standalone episodes like uh, Chain Reaction and and, and Curse and um, Window of Opportunity. But as time went on, we began to draw on the mythology of the show. And that uh, mythology is what uh, inspired a lot of the later stories. And so it became, I wouldn't say serialized, but there was that kind of uh, arc element to a lot of the uh, stories. But at that point, I mean, you can't plagiarize yourself. You know, you're right, building on exactly. your own mythology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're going to the trouble of creating content for fans, and then you're rewarding those fans by referencing back to that content in intelligent yeah. and unexpected ways. So good on you. <laughs> so, you. you were involved in. I'm, I'm going to kind of do some some more glossy questions here. Yeah. We'll get into more of the nitty gritty in, in future sure. episodes. Uh, you were involved in 14, I believe, of the 17 seasons. 
Um, in your estimation, uh, which episodes? It'll probably be two parters and you know season finales and everything else. Which episodes were the most time intensive? Were the most expensive of all of them? You know, in, perhaps in unexpected ways. You know, I know no, Martin Garrow I mean, always talks about the episode where where uh, Carter and and Jewel State, uh, Amanda Tapping Jewel State, and David Hewlett are trapped in the Janai cave, and oh, that was trio. just ballooned. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, as you said, the mid season two parters and the finales, uh, simply because of the visual effects, those were always the big splashy episodes, and and you know the visual effects cost you money. Uh, and then yeah. you know other times I I, I look at. Um, episodes like Heroes one and two, we we've got those huge firefights, and and those were always time consuming as well. Wasn't Heroes shot over the over months? Wasn't Hero like um, like we we got a bit here, we got a bit here. Rick's here this week. We're gonna get that here. I was yeah, under the impression I mean, there, there it took was, forever to there shoot. Were, yeah, there were there were occasions when when I mean we we tried to avoid it, but occasionally just because of scheduling, it would happen. Wow. Um, was there ever a story that got away uh, through years and years? You could never make it really work, or maybe you made it work on dark matter. Um, you know, I always like time travel stories. I remember trying to pitch this one time travel story, but, um, you know, as often happens in, in, in any show, uh, you'll pitch ideas and, and some of them will resonate and some of them won't. And so, I mean, it was very rare that, uh, an idea you pitched didn't move forward because even if the idea that you pitched, for instance, I mean, a window of opportunity uh, was a very different pitch than, than what it turned out to be. It was actually very dark um, and concerned the team uh, um, uh, visiting a planet that was facing extinction, this, this extinction level event. And they were using this, this device to reloop time. So that it would give them more time to come up with a solution um, very dark. So in and, practice, what Daniel was talking about in his speech is what you, the characters were witnessing in the original draft. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, well, uh, what, what are you referring to? In the, so he's, he says the, the ancients who were using this device never got it to work. And in the end, they just let right. it come. Yes. Yeah. 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 So that was, yeah, the seed of, 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 of that, uh, that bit of dialogue. You know, thinking about season four is in many respects my favorite season. And going back, if, if if you now, as the matured writer that you are, had your way with a lot of these episodes, it would turn out to be a very different show. But also, you know, 25 no, years of time have passed yeah. in terms of audience sensibilities and what's expected from television, yeah. too. To, to be honest with you, I mean, we mentioned Star, uh, Scorched Earth. And really, for me, the ending of Scorched Earth is what stands out. But other episodes, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy with the way window of opportunity turned out, the curves, uh, point of no return, chain reaction. I'm trying to remember. Um, uh, did we do the finale that what was the finale? The season four finale. I think we did that. The season four that. finale Exodus. was Exodus. Yeah. Yeah. Exodus. Yeah. Terrific episode there. Okay. So you did you find time travel easier to do on Dark Matter overall? Um, I did not. I did not. Okay. I knew um, we did an episode, a, a time loop episode. I you know, always joke that, you know, my career starts with a time loop episode, window of opportunity, and potentially ends with a time loop episode <laughs> uh, all the time in the world. But um, 
you know, I knew I wanted to do a time loop episode and the issue with time, any of the, any episode involving time travel is that it has to make sense within the framework of, of, of the story or theoretically. The and, audience has to buy it. Whatever yeah, rules yeah. you lay down, you have yes, to stick you to. Have to you, it's you, like exactly. Inception. That's it. That's it. And so um, we were trying to make it work in the room and we weren't able to make it work. And we just let it, you know, let it go. And I ended up uh, uh, screening, I think, two dozen episodes of Time Loop uh, uh, episodes that other shows had done. And then a half dozen movies. Mm. And I, in fact, I did a blog post about it. It was my like Run Lola uh, time, Run time. and yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did my Time Loop Masterclass uh, <laughs> uh, uh, TED Talk on my blog where essentially I broke down this is what makes a good Time Loop episode. And so you synthesize the, you know, the structure and then you try to, uh, un- you know, not undermine it, but sort of subvert expectations. Right. So, so audience who come in will be familiar with the formula, but will be surprised about what you do with it, which is right. pretty much what, you know, my, my general approach to dark matter was always, you know, introducing those kind of sci-fi chestnuts and then subverting audience expectations. Whether it be <laughs> Take a sledgehammer with to them and just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, um, th- so Chris mentioned this in in dialing home, and I'm not. I mean, I'll take his word for it, but I, I'm curious as to your perspective. There were certain cast members who hated doing time travel stories, and so therefore a lot of them ended up going away. Is there any truth to that? Uh, to the best of my knowledge, no. Okay. Um, I mean, when we discuss stories, we discuss them in the room and by the room, I mean the writer's room Yeah, and really the, the only ones who could say no were Brad and Robert. Okay. Um, I'm, you know, it, it could have been a situation perhaps where Brad thought, uh, you know, Rick is not going to love this. Yeah. Cause this Rick story. was a producer. He got scripts early. So yeah. Yeah, but there was never a time, for instance, we wrote a script and you threw a script out. Okay. No scripts were ever thrown out. Okay. I mean, once you, you, once you got the go-ahead to write a script and you were moving on to outline, then uh, that idea was going to see the light of a I TV screen. I see. Okay. All right. Interesting. Um, I feel like I'm just jumping all over the place with you here. Yeah, but please. It's just, it's just very, Ra- very general approach. Well, right well, well, okay then. Was there ever serious consideration mm-hmm. given to disclosing the Stargate program to the Earth? Yes. In fact, that was the idea um, for Stargate Revolutions, which was the SG-1, the third SG-1 movie that uh, was planned. And the um, first draft was written, but it went the way of Stargate Extinction, which was the Atlantis uh, movie script as well. We never really got a chance to, uh, or sorry, we never did get a chance to produce it. Can you give us any, because certainly, you know, anything that, that can, that can come out will not, not come out of this nest per se, but can you give us any idea of what that would have looked like? It's not that I don't want to, it's just that. Would William Devane have, have hopefully I been involved? Don't recall. Okay. I recall. Certainly, all of SG One would have been involved. Um, That's an SG One uh, movie. 
Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of the details, I sadly I don't recall. Okay, okay. I'll give. I you just that. remember there was a great Sam Jack scene, dinner scene. That's what went. That's one of the few details I remember. Really, just just yeah. like, were they an item at this point? I believe it. They might have been, yes. Okay, because yeah, right. she's not under his command anymore. Right, exactly. Wow, throwing that yeah. nugget out there for the same yeah, yeah. So Stargate so Revolutions, a, the, the intent would have been to have them probably an item. Or some or, or heavily hint at the fact that they're yeah. an item. You know, I like that. You know, you don't have to do a wedding scene right. you know, per se like yeah. you guys did. Although we did do one. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. The Road Not Taken... Mm-hmm. I rewatched this episode recently, and it's an alternate reality where the Stargate program was revealed to the world, and it caused chaos mm-hmm. uh, and destruction. I mean, people were fighting each other for food, for gasoline. Um, now, in addition to that, there was the threat of impending alien attack that came with it. But were you telegraphing to us? that this is the way that you think it would really happen? Um, I'm not sure what you mean by telegraphing, but certainly I believe that that's the way it would probably happen. So it wouldn't be a peaceful kumbaya, oh my gosh, there's alien life. Um, Because it it was one of your last episodes concerning that. I was interested to see if this was your way of saying, this is how I would suspect that it would actually go down. And you just said yes. No, I think if, if aliens, if, if the world learned that aliens were on their way, um, the mo- for the most part, people would not be cool. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. Take you out- and I would be cool, of course. Well, I mean, we would be. How cool. Well, yeah. you know, we grew up expecting this to yeah. happen. I'm still expecting, yeah, you know. time. Right? I have aliens for November this year. Right. What do you have for November 2020? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, mm-hmm. yeah. I, take out the impending uh, alien attack. Mm-hmm. Do you think that revealing the Stargate to the world would cause mass chaos? Uh, the Stargate itself? I don't, no, I don't, I don't think the general populace would uh, descend into chaos. But I believe world governments angling to get their hands on the gate uh, would uh, potentially create a, a very bad situation. So they would start jockeying into position and using their political yeah. leverage against you know other yeah. nations and everything else. So, hence the moon base. Right. So, <laughs> get it out of there. What guest star could you never stop pinching yourself that you were able to get for one of your scripts? Um, I would, to be honest, I would have to say Bob Picardo. Um, yes. Just because, you know, I love Bob on, uh, on Voyager. Yes. Please state the nature of the medical emergency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mentioned, uh, suggested him a couple of times and we got him on the show. And he's, he, he's such a good actor and he's such a, a, a terrific individual, just a real pro and, and just a genuinely uh, um, good guy. Um, that, you know, I, I just loved Woolsey's character arc and that he, he, we were introduced, he, introdu- he was introduced as kind of this pencil pusher, uh, pain in the ass. And he evolved and he was still kind of the pencil pusher at the end, but, but you knew kind of what make, made him take, you, you saw kind of the vulnerabilities and, 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 and the fact that he had a lot of heart and, uh, you know, he, you know, it, it, 
he he was one of my favorite characters, definitely one of my favorite guest stars. I loved Woolsey. Uh, don't get me wrong, but it almost—I really would have loved to have seen had he done an alien of some sort. Had he done what? An alien. Oh yeah. You know, because he. But I mean, like you said, he has such a range to him. Yeah, he could have been anything. You know, if, but if he would have been an alien, he wouldn't have been uh, on the show as much as he did. That's as, true. As the length of, of of his arc and and just the character he played, I thought was he just played him so well. He was so great as Wolsey. I don't know. You guys were able to do quite a bit with pretty much anything that you had. I I, I really think that if he had hit it out of the park with whatever character he played, you guys mm-hmm. would have moved mountains to make it work for the show. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really do think so. I mean, look at how many times we got to see Peter Williams in, in the scheme of things. Not not very much. You know, I mm-hmm. uh, when you look back on it, but it's it's just a handful of episodes. But the impact that that actor had as Apophis was felt reverberating yeah. through rippling through the show so much yeah. that it, it felt like he was there more often than he was. Yeah, Peter was great. Peter is great. I mean, he was great as, as Apophis. He's great. In whatever he does. Bob said that for heroes. That one uh, space that he was in, uh, interrogating all the cast and crew, he said that he did that in one day. Mm-hmm. What a professional! Having he all of that ready great. to go, yeah, yeah, had to have been intense. Yeah. You know, and what was it like doing Heroes? I mean, Terrell had said, you know, Rob had called her. Mm-hmm. It's the last season. You know, we're, we're not going to do another season. We want to have a death. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what was that experience like? We've touched on heroes once already, but I, and we will again, but I, I want to, it's so important. It's such a cornerstone to the franchise. Yeah, I want to bring I, it up I again. think, yeah, this, you know, this is really more a question for Rob because Absolutely. He, was, he wrote and produced the episode, but I mean, it was a tough, tough episode across, you know, just from an emotional level, but just in terms of, uh, kind of brass tacks productions, it was, it was tough and, 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 you know, Rob, um, kind of bore the brunt of the of the challenge, if you will, of producing that particular episode, and then bore the brunt of the fan uh, um, yeah, feedback, if you will. Yeah. To be diplomatic. Yes. Absolutely. Did you think it was bold to, to knock off Frasier? I did. I did. I mean, like like Rob, I thought season seven would be its last. I mean, every year from season five on, I assumed you know, that season would be its last until season 10 when I actually thought, ah, maybe we could come back. And then that's the season that we ended. Brad um, said, jump over to, to Atlantis from, oh, you know what? Before I do that, mm. uh, you revealed to us in the Dialing Home discussion a couple years ago that iTunes was interested in picking mm. up SG-1 for an 11th and final season. What can you tell us about that? Uh, just that they had actually reached out, and um, you know, at the time, you know, I don't think I don't even know what what uh, iTunes was doing, and I, 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 they they were looking to, I guess, get into television or, or programming, and this would have been a would have been a huge coup for them, essentially saving SG One, something with a you know a built in audience. Um, so you guys had a fan over at Apple. Yes. Okay. And it's something that, uh, I don't know if they went really 
far down the line, but it's something that 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 was discussed, and then ultimately we were unable to pursue because of uh, the contracts that were in place. Legally, so, we were not uh, permitted to pursue an LLC. Right, that something about a clause in the agreement with Sci-Fi Channel, um, and. Arc of Truth was the condensed version of what season 11 would have become, I'm guessing? I don't think so. No. Unless Rob has said that. No, he hasn't. No, we hadn't. We we hadn't. um, um, We uh, uh, spun any stories for season 11. Okay. So, I mean, I mean, well, to be honest with you, uh, I mean, the way it usually works is once we finish shooting one season, then we gather the writer's room and spin for a couple of months, come up with story ideas and then go off and write. So we found out about the SG-1 cancellation well before uh, we finished spinning for season 10, which is why SG-1, out of the three Stargate shows, SG-1 is the only one with uh, a series finale. It was actually written as a series finale, even though I keep saying that Atlantis and uh, and S uh, and SGU Stargate Universe work as season finales for you know um, SG one was the only one where it was intended the was to be. Written. Yes, isn't that interesting? Okay, and the only one that was that was guaranteed for pretty much guaranteed for movies at that point, right? As well, I yeah, I guess so. Yeah, because yeah, the cast. I mean, Christopher talked about you know mm-hmm. when they were filming Unending. They mm-hmm. they knew that the chances were pretty yes, darn yeah, good that they yeah. were coming back. Yeah. So interesting. Um, man, what a show! Mm-hmm. What a what a run! Ten years. Mm-hmm. And, and I know I know uh, uh, when Showtime launched it, they had two years out of the gate. Then I think even before before Children of the Gods aired, then they had four, and then mm-hmm. it was extended to five. You know that had mm-hmm. to have been. I mean, just for those two years that you were that you were a part of that, that had to have been a wonderful that you you're getting. You know, you're getting a paycheck, but mm-hmm. B, you have you have time to delve into the characters a little bit more specifically than than you would under perhaps other circumstances where I know that there's a lot of network shows that okay, we've been given four more. Oh, we've been given three more. You know, yeah. Yeah. Brad said um, he had mentioned to me in in an interview a couple of years ago that the Wraith mm-hmm. were not going to be defeated in Stargate Extinction, but rather that there was going to be an evolution of them. Uh, he said it, it would have evolved the Wraith. Can you tease a little bit about what he meant by that? Off the top of my head, I'm not sure. It certainly You're would have evolved. The, no, I, I, I it certainly <laughs> would have evolved the relationship between um, between uh, Shepard and uh, Todd. Shepard and Todd. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I like a, a baby. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> okay. Who knows though? Who Come knows on, you got to you got to give me a little nugget more. Just a just a little one beyond that. Come on, Joe. I, I'm not I, honestly. I'm not trying to be evasive. I just <laughs> okay. I, maybe I got to go back and reread the script. <laughs> I have it somewhere. But you know, I yeah. I mean, you reread it and, and get back. To I, me. I've never but, actually but read it. Ultimately, when, when the, the story sees uh, Atlantis returning to Pegasus in a ah, nutshell. Okay. 
that's 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 yeah it starts off i remember reading the first scene and it's lauren and someone i think it's zelenka on the moon and they're staring at atlantis and we do the reveal of atlantis right it was was like man please that would have been so cool yeah um uh, I I still have hope, you know, especially if if we are going to be moving forward with a a, a fourth series, that there is going to be some kind of resolution there. There has to be, even Stay if it positive, is, yes, yeah, absolutely. Even if it's just, you know, I mean, I would appreciate a little bit more than passing dialogue, but you know, we're going to get what we yeah. can, and mm-hmm. you know, so it's like like with SGU, you know, we saw Picardo and we saw Hewlett, you know, yeah. those those characters persist; they weren't mm-hmm. wiped out by the scourge. And right. yeah, the these, scourge of the, a reboot. Right. Well, that too. I was meaning the wraith, but yes, <laughs> very true. I um, loved what was done with SGU, particular, and I was one of its staunchest critics in the beginning. The sex in the closet scene and everything else. I was like, oh, man, really? We're going there, and it grew to be my favorite of the three, and I make mm-hmm. no bones about that. Especially the last ten were extraordinary hours of television um mm-hmm. episodes like time you know mm-hmm. uh, the epilogue with with carl binder i mean there there mm-hmm. were some extraordinary beats in there um one of the uh the, the things that i loved about that show was the route that you guys took with time travel where you allowed the a copy of the characters to exist 2000 years in the past and then deal mm-hmm. with their descendants. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about, I mean, I know tell you were in, you were in the rooms when you guys were, were yeah. spinning that stuff. Tell us about that. Uh, you know, it's funny because in, re- in retrospect, you look back and you think, you know, epilogue would have really been the perfect yeah. Uh, episode to end and end the series yeah. on. But at the time, I mean, we really thought we were coming back for a third and final season. So um, third and final, not five. Yes. No, I think late in in the going, we 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 were told that the show was not going to come back. But there were discussions about coming back for a third and final season. Okay. So we're like, okay, fine, we'll we'll take it. And then that went away. Um, okay. Yeah. So, Boy, you know, the, like I said, the finale was already not intended to be a finale, but, but, you know, we were in, in, in the editing room and, and Paul, uh, uh, had the idea of, of, uh, book ending with the, uh, the same montage that we started in air with, you know, the, op- the ship opening up and going through the levels and everything. Instead of her going to up. sleep. Yeah. Basically, essentially we just roll it backwards and, mm-hmm. uh. And uh, and then just that final shot of Destiny jumping into FCL and, and leaving us behind, uh, I, I find so powerful. I uh, do. But, I'm know, getting terms, chills it, just thinking you know, about it, man. Yeah. In, in terms of epilogue, it was just a perfect Carl Binder script. Oh, was, You know, Carl uh, is one of my favorite writers. And he was always great at... at, at you know, really the character-driven stories. And I think, and, and even, you know, how he can convey uh, emotion, like such powerful emotions uh, without any dialogue, with, you know, that scene where, where um, uh, TJ's getting sicker and sicker and she's at the table uh, and she's eating with the family yeah, and she then has, she's getting sicker, yeah, and, Lou sicker and then basically she's gone. She's not, she's no longer there. And it's, you know, um, Pulls your heart out. Yeah, you know, I think. Yeah, it's one of the, one of the best uh, episodes. I think the the franchise produced. The cinematography of that episode is absolutely extraordinary. The mm-hmm. shot of Elena 
on the shore washing clothes, mm-hmm. you know, and you can see her like her, she's having trouble with, with, you know, grasping and it pulls back and you've got that master of the fog. I was like, oh, man, mm. how extraordinary you guys. And, mm-hmm. and the, the destiny set, you know, it was, yeah. it was like, it was like being on the Nautilus, you know, it was yeah. Jules Verne. It was just mm. beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. I wanted to ask you one last thing. I, I before uh, I start talking uh, about the fans and getting them involved, um, you, you pulled our hearts out by nuking the Asgard at the end of season ten. <laughs> right, and you know it was it really um, solidified the fact that the loss of SG One was definitely a death the, of mm. the series. Um, then we introduced them because you had the puppet. Mm-hmm. In Atlantis, mm-hmm. and they were called the Evil Asgard. They didn't really get get a name. I was one of the earliest people who had mentioned that they were. We'll call them the Vanir if we're looking at, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that that mythology. Um, but was there ever a thought, a consideration further down that that you could address further down the road, uh, in a show of resurrecting the Asgard race? Through the Vanir, through the evil Asgard. Yes, in fact, that yeah, that that was a very strong possibility. I mean, you know, as I used to say, whenever we used to kill off characters in in uh, on Stargate, no one ever really dies in sci-fi. No, and their consciousnesses so, are inside yeah. the the computer exactly. on the Odyssey. Exactly. Okay. So, so there, you know, there what there there always was that possibility. Wow. So potentially could be one day again. So that that was. That I, I was watching that episode and I was like, well, you know, they if if we could if we could somehow copy them, if we could deal with them as a species and everything mm-hmm. that they're doing that's evil, and somehow yeah. use them as uh, and their current physical forms as a template, and hopefully reverse their flaw, mm-hmm. you know, Thor and Heimdall and and Freyr would have a a physical place to go. So many great you know, opportunities that uh, sadly we, we didn't get to follow through on because we didn't get that sixth season. Absolutely. Perfect. Yeah. Mm. Um, one of the reasons that you're, you are my first uh, of, of the production side of things in terms of guests for this show is your, your heavy involvement with fandom to this day. You mm. are one of you are one of the ones that not to say that the others don't, but you're more active. Uh, you really appreciate and value um, the fan base, and uh, it's it's continued importance to the growth of the franchise. Are there any particular interactions uh, with fans that stand out over the years? Um, I mean, just in general, meeting the fans and and. Um... You know, I, I, I always used to, um, I was always very touched by the, uh, the number of uh, letters and, and postcards we would receive from uh, the troops serving overseas mm. who were all big fans of the show, particularly SG-1, because I mean, we had that Air Force connection. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, that really stands out, but just in general, meeting the fans. And, and I remember joining Gate World uh, before I even landed on the show. Because oh. I was looking to research the show, and, this, and that's how I ended up, you know, um, uh, kind of doing it the deep dive. I mean, obviously I watching the that. episodes, okay, but um, you know, interacting with the fans. 
and finding out basically what what really drew them to the show. I guess it makes sense that that would be your research, you know, mm-hmm. just just like anything else. So I'm glad we didn't scare. I'm glad we didn't scare you off. <laughs> uh, all right, that's my line of questioning and for all this right. particular initial episode. And we do have fan questions here. All oh, right, fantastic. so let's see what we've got. I really want to uh, extend my thanks to my moderating team: Summer, Keith, Tracy, Ian. You guys are rock star rock stars. And it's so good to have you out there. Um, we did our first show last uh, uh, Saturday, and there were like 50 people live. I, I, was been, I would have been happy with five, you know, yeah. and three of those would have been my parents' computers. Um, and the, these, these uh, people came to me and they said, uh, how can I help out? So, Summer Amazing. Roy. Thank you, guys. Yes. Absolutely. Keith, Tracy, Ian, I, I appreciate you very much. I also have Linda. She's helping me on the side with uh, – um, uh, trivia questions organizing trivia and and jen as well um you know what before we get to the before we get to that i want to do a quick round of trivia with you so before we get to the fan questions so do you have your trivia questions pulled up i do not okay can can you can you grab them i will i will grab them okay hang on hang on all right while you do that i will go ahead and do a quick uh call to action here so if you like what you've seen on this episode, I would appreciate it if you'd click that like button. It really makes a difference with YouTube's algorithm and would definitely help uh, the show grow its audience. Please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend. If you want to get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. And if you plan to watch live, I recommend giving the bell icon a click so that you'll be the first to know of any schedule changes, which, as we've seen, have already happened. So bear in mind, uh, clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next several days on both the dial the gate and gateworld.net youtube channels and the clips are designed for people who don't have a chance to sit through the full live show or want to uh remember the uh the the sweet moments of the episodes so all right i've got mine for you did you manage to find them i did all right Uh, do you want to ask me first or do you want me to ask you or you want to go back and forth wait are these questions for me or do I, have, I, I, do I have to ask you questions? Those three questions are for me. I have not seen them. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. I have questions okay. for you. Okay. We'll and start with the easy then. Okay. What species attempted yes. to wipe out the Incaran encampment in Scorched Earth? Oh, oh, that was the Gadmir. Yes. And I remember because... Um, Rob called me into his office and was like, I need to come up with, uh, we didn't name the race in the script. He was like, I need to come up with a, an alien race and they won't let me name anything anymore. I think after the Furling debacle. So uh, <laughs> I, think I came up with a bunch of names. Jenai, uh, uh, Gadmir, uh, and a bunch of other ones. He chose Gadmir and then we ended, I ended up using the Janai, or, you know, we ended up using the Janai. Janai was that early on. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And that was also a TNG species. Oh, I did not know. Yeah. That was the, uh, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. That was the, the species that were all the same sex. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. But you know right. what? I mean, there are only so many sounds in language, you know? I, yeah. I, at a certain point, you just, what can you do? Very good. Do you have uh, an easy one for me? I so do. One point to you. Who was the first character to sit in the ancient control chair on both SG-1 and Atlantis? Actually, there are two characters, but... Okay, so 
the ancient control chair in Lost City, that would have been O'Neill. Correct. And the first one seen on screen in Atlantis? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's Beckett. Uh, according to this, the answer is John Shepard. Really? But I think you're you're correct. I think I, th- I think, I think Beckett's already sitting in it. It has to be Beckett because Shepard's still uh-huh. in the helicopter. See, you know, you know better than the experts. I would say I'm going to have to get new experts. I'm going to give you the point. I'm going to give you full points for that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I th- I think that that's the case yeah. Um, yeah, because it activates. Well, right. He has to trigger the drone. So wait a minute. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and there's like the scene with Ayana millions of years ago. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm trying to that think was back. When does? Yeah, because Shepard's not on. Shepard's still in the helicopter. He's still flying Jack there. So right. I'm going to have to check my folks <laughs> with yeah. the trivia yeah. questions. Yeah. Someone's so, getting fired. No, someone's not getting fired. No. Yeah. Uh, so it is. It is. It is Beckett. Okay. Um, back to that. You know that for getting um, Anna Grower to come back in for that mm-hmm. one scene and her husband actually to play opposite of her. How wonderful was that to have that little yeah. tie, even no dialogue, nothing, um, mm-hmm. to that uh, to that episode Frozen from season six. Yeah, yeah. The maybe you can answer this for me because every time I watch the episode, he looks like he's scouring at her before he walks away. Is he pissed at her about something? Did she, was she a bad girl? Is that the intent there before he leaves her alone on Atlantis, or is he just walking away from her? What was your guys' intent? Yeah. I. To be honest with you, I don't recall. I, I I'm pulling weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it looks like it looks like something has gone terribly but wrong. Yes, definitely. Definitely, there's a suggestion that 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 there's been a falling out. Okay, okay. Yeah. There we go. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. A medium question for you, Sergio. Mm-hmm. What production issue mm-hmm. with Jason Momoa over season break had to be dressed in re uh, addressed in reunion? What had to be uh, done on screen? Oh, well, there's a reference to his tattoo that he got That's right. um, in the offseason. But where I, I thought you were going was the dreads, where he ended up uh, losing the dreads. I think a later um, season. But yeah, in between uh, season four and season five. And um, he basically, it just was, it, he said, you know, I want to cut my dreads. He said it was hurting and, his head. Yeah, exactly. And so I was like, well, that's fine. And I checked with the network and they were like, oh, no, we can't loses dreads and i was really annoyed because bro- uh, yeah uh, because broken ties would be not yeah it was being broken ties yeah that was season opportunities five, i wanted I to write a scene where he goes dark side and shaves his head oh. um loses you know cuts his dreads and we could have done it all yeah. on screen but they're like no you know the character's known for his dread so we ended up having to wake him um isn't it so jason reached out to you guys and said is it okay for yeah. me to do it he didn't just do it yeah Okay. No, cool. no. In that in that case, he basically said, you know, well, he basically said, it, they're kind of making my life miserable, and yeah, we're not absolutely. Tell him, no, you have to live a miserable in pain. Life. Well, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. medical complications could eventually arise, so yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah. What's your second right. question for me? I got uh, okay. Who was the last captain of the Prometheus? Uh, I think it's I think it's Everett. Is it Everett? Is your final answer? No. Um. It's not Ronson. Ronson was the first. Pendergast. Pendergast went down with the ship. Do you remember his rank? 
I think he's a colonel. Correct. <laughs> Lionel Pendergast. See, that one I knew. Yeah. Very good. That's a great shot of him just closing yeah. his eyes. You see him yeah. swallow hard, like, uh, and then he blows up. You yes. Know, what a sequence. Holy cow. And then yeah. Mitchell and Teal'c's reaction after, oh, hell. You know? Yeah. I mean, that you, that season, you guys blew up two ships. You know? Yeah. You, you blew up Remedius, yeah. and, and you blew up the, um, oh, hell. The yeah, the Russian ship. What was that? What, what was that called? The Korolev. The Korolev. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And we lost we lost Colonel Chekhov in that too, for all intents yeah. and purposes. Yeah. So he went out with a bang. Yeah. All right. Hard question. SGU. Oh, okay. Yeah. How long was Colonel Telford with the Ursini? This is pretty embarrassing because I uh uh let's see, I uh you wrote it. <laughs> you know, in terms of episodes or in terms of time? Uh, he mentions how long he's been with them. Uh, I'm going to say, and this is the total guess, yeah. because uh, even though it was my episode, I don't recall. Uh, I'm going to say three months. One month. Ah, oh, one month. Yep. It felt like three months for him, though. It was a way. I wonder what he yeah. ate, you know? I know. <laughs> He's over That's there. That's why I'm saying, basically, the food was not good. Yeah, I know. That's a species um, I would have loved to have seen again. Yeah. And we just, yeah. they sacrifice themselves and just drive yeah. the seed ship right into the yeah. the um, berserker drones. So, what a cool, the species that you guys were, de- species, plural, mm-hmm. that you guys were developing for SGU were so cool. You know, yeah. I loved what who would have eventually been named the Nakai the fish people yeah. who were following, um, just yes or no. Do you know what their ultimate ultimate goal was in Destiny, um, or was that not determined yet? Oh, no, they 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 basically wanted the ship. Okay, um, so there was no like connection with like they were like former ancients or something like that. It was just straight no, no, up they no, wanted the. No, no, okay, yes. interesting. And then I think the all time coolest one would have been the um, the star system builders, mm-hmm. the most mm-hmm. advanced. Whatever they were in all of Stargate yeah. lore, what were your, was your intent? To, was your guys' intent to create something to outdo the ancients? There, there, you know. People ask me what was the end game for for Stargate Universe, and Brad told me the end end game back in season two. But he's like, "Don't tell anybody because I want the opportunity of to course. tell that story." So, so that may have been a part of that. It may have been a part. Of it that. may have been. I know yeah. that you know it. I know that David Blue knows it. And he's not telling even his castmates. So right. that guy's that guy's yeah. a lead in the door. world. Absolutely, it is. And I'm hoping right. one day, if if uh, you know, God forbid, that this doesn't come to pass with the next series. I'm hoping that Brad will take me into his confidence and tell me one day. But you know, it's, it's, think positive. Think that, positive. The fourth season Absolutely. is coming. Absolutely, yeah, fourth series. Okay, yeah. I've got some. Okay, your hard question. Okay, how many SG1 episodes were written by Christopher Judge, and can you name them? The changeling. Correct. He well he he had story by credit on the warrior. Correct. That was actually when I got the answers here, I was like, well, that's not right. He didn't write that episode. Correct. Okay. We're gonna okay, we're gonna not. sort these out together. Yeah. So he had story by credit on the warrior. Yeah. He wrote the changeling. Yeah. He wrote the Amazonian Jaffa episode, which was um both of them. Uh I can't think of the first one's name, but Sacrifices. I remember that one. He wrote that. The season seven episode, 
I don't know it's I can't remember its name off the top. All the episodes for years mm-hmm. were in my head, and now they right. are gone. <laughs> so, you're, you're getting up there. Exactly. Uh, the answer is birthright. Birthright. And I remember, <laughs> I think this was the episode where the horses in the gate room. Uh, sacrifices, because they're there for the marriage. Sacrifices. Okay, yes. Okay, so Sacrifices was the one with the horses in the gate room. I remember it because I remember oh, on boy. the day we were like, we're never having horses in the gate room. <laughs> really? This, 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 is, this is a disaster. The horse flatulence and, you know, um, all kinds of... Yeah, and everything that comes with it, you know. Oh, man. That's funny. Oh, my gosh. Well, very good. So, yeah, I think, um, I think, I think we're, that one. we're two and two. No, I think you did. I did. I, I won mean, it. You missed. I kind of right? won it. Okay, but I mean, I got, cool. You know, I said three months and. Well, I appreciate you playing. All right, mm. let's look here to the right. viewer Q and A, and thank Excellent. everyone for submitting. Summer, Keith, Tracy, Ian, I love you guys. Summer would like to know: Will you reveal the furlings in a new SGU show, and will they be the new main bad guy? Yes or no? And that even rhymes. That is a question for Brad. Okay. I think, personally, for the Furlings, uh, the less you know about them, the better. I kind of like the fact that they're kind of mysterious, and you imagine them as, I, I say, as the Care Bears of Outer Space. Right. Like adorable little... Giant koalas. Ragamuffins, yeah. <laughs> I think that if we were actually to see the Furlings, I don't think that they would have a single hair on their bodies. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, I, I always picture like that they would be these gaunt, kind of scaly... Uh, yeah. Yeah. I wrote a story a long time ago, but I'm not going to bore you with it Um, or an outline. Ian, uh, had the Emmy for Best Production Design existed when SGU was on, do you think it would have been nominated or potentially won? That's a good question. Um, Well, I think it certainly would or should have uh, been nominated and possibly won. The fact is uh, sci-fi really receives little... Uh, Don't get me started. It comes to sort of those 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 awards and it comes yeah. to more mainstream awards. Yeah, it's nice to think about though. You know, yeah. I mean, TNG the, its last season it it won or it was nominated for best dramatic series mm-hmm. uh, for season seven. So you know, these things do happen every now and then. Scotty zero seven zero nine. I know that the primary focus will obviously be Stargate, but I'd love to know if there's any hope for a continuation of Dark Matter at some point in the future. I think Aston answered a little bit, but Joe, you can you can come back around. Yeah, to no, that. I mean, I I haven't given up hope. I mean, right now I'm actually working on 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 other stuff. You know, we, we tried very hard. There was a, a point, I think I mentioned, where MGM actually offered to step in and potentially help save Dark Matter, which would have opened up to, you know, a whole host Who knows of crossovers. crossover yeah. possibilities. But, I mean, we just kind of the, t- the clock ran out on us. So um, I'm not actively pursuing anything now. And yet, in a way, I kind of am by, by working on these other projects that hopefully get off the ground. Hopefully they will create, you know, a little more movement terms of my career especially uh, that will give me the opportunity to sort of reach out to people and and, and try to get me a mini series is, is what i would ideally love to do and and just kind of finish the story that that i'd set out absolutely you know that's mm-hmm. the only way to go as far as i'm concerned uh what i'm sure it wasn't your intent going you know you were wanting to create something different but at what point did it did it come across your mind that you know dark matter was enough out of the way of the type of content that it was compared to stargate that a crossover could be still viable i think i mean when mgm presented the possibility i you know i automatically thought this is this 
we could do a crossover simply because more more SG one in Atlantis because tonally I think dark matter really um, you know in terms of humor in terms of kind of the, the color of the character in terms of kind of the action adventure um, uh, kind of propulsion of the of the narrative mm-hmm. it they're they're very much alike okay yeah I would agree let's see here. Raj Luthra, uh, will we see any of the main cast from Dark Matter in a Stargate series? Boy, that was um, the case with Jodell Furland. Yeah, you know? yeah. She yeah. started off I as mean, Adria. The other way. Yeah, I, uh, the other way. Yeah, like I said, I, mean, I you know I I remember working with Jodell when she was thirteen as Princess Harmony, and thinking she is Great fantastic. Episode. And and <laughs> actually, when I wrote the character of Five in Dark Matter, yes, uh, she was she was originally intended to be around thirteen or fourteen. Um, and I did think of Jodell, but of course Jodell had grown up, uh, a bit since then. Right. But she was fantastic in the role. Um, you know, and then we had, we had obviously, uh, David Hewlett, uh, on the show and, and, and Tori. In fact, I wrote the, the role for Tori because I thought she would be great and she was fantastic. It was so, so fantastic to have her back yeah, involved. Yeah. You know, uh, Raj Luthra will SG1, SGA and SGU return. I mean, I think at this point, it's safe to say, you would probably agree with me, Joe, the, the fourth series is is the most ideal path forward at this point. Yes, absolutely. I mean, a fourth series, as I keep, as I keep saying, would be an all-new team, something, you know, a show that would be a great jumping-on point or an easy jumping-on point for new viewers. But it would certainly allow, you know, Brad to wrap up all those other storylines, be a universe, uh, SG-1, or Atlantis. Absolutely. Um, and it, 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 were a fourth series success, uh, successful, it doesn't change the fact that these sets are gone. Mm-hmm. CG animation has come a considerable distance you know, yeah. since these, these shows closed. And, you know, you've got the actors. They're, mm-hmm. they, they're still, thankfully, all with us. There's, yeah. Anything's a possibility. Yeah, absolutely. So, Scotty0709. Joe, mm-hmm. the, Joe, this is a yes or a no. Um, okay. Does Joe know what caused the pattern in the cosmic microwave background radiation in the in SGU? Yes. Is it cool? It's pretty cool, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Claire Cowan, what's the weirdest thing you have ever eaten? Now, Joe's, Joe's eaten some pretty weird things because he's think, a foodie. Yeah. I remember um, being in Japan, of course, and um, – <laughs> I, I didn't even set out to eat anything weird. I just ordered a, like a soup at the hotel. And it was, uh, you know, it came with like, you know, with the seafood and there were these little dumplings. I thought they were dumplings, but but they were, um, they, I, I don't know if they basically, they were filled with like, like uh, whipped uh, ricotta cheese or something. It was basically just, but very mild and, and, I was like, what is this? And So you'd and, already started eating it? Yeah, I'd, I'd, okay. I'd eaten it already. I was, it was oh. actually good. Okay. And I was like, what is this? And the waitress was like, milt, milt. And I was like, what is that in, in English? She's like, milt, milt. Um, I had to actually go to Wikipedia to look it up. It's uh, uh, cod sperm. So um, wow. that is probably the weirdest thing. Uh, okay, ever. then. Fish sperm. Yeah. yeah. Hey, whatever, man. Whatever floats yeah. your boat. But it, it was good, right? You, so you hey. never know it. You never think, oh, man, the, why don't they ever what, serve that? Yeah, yeah, what can we serve, you know, to a yeah. foreigner in a hotel yeah. or whatever? Jeez. Yeah, yeah every, the chefs are all looking at the wind. <laughs> he's eating it. Oh, my God, he's eating it. <laughs> 
He likes it. <laughs> Scotty0709, if you could put the main cast of Dark Matter into a Stargate series, what sort of roles would be perfect for them? Um, Five would be a, if they, a tech if, head. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the roles they play in, uh, in, in, in Dark Matter would actually be pretty close. I mean, obviously, Anthony Lemke would be a merc. A, some, yeah. you know, or or maybe kind of a loose cannon soldier. Um, uh, Melissa would definitely. I mean, she she would be you know like uh, another Sam Carter, um, you know, with a with a lot more swagger. Um, <laughs> Gotta change Alice it up Warren a little. Junior would be like a by the book. Um, I mean, they would all be great. I think, frankly, soldiers. Mm. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. D no D N O space I T. Do know it? Sorry, I'm butchering. Probably butchering that one. The most fun episode that you uh, that you created. What turned out to be? You look back and like you know that was that was a good time. Um, you know, I, I back to uh, my experience on set. Um, I had a great time on on Harmony. It wasn't my episode, but we were in the woods. I was in the woods with uh, with. Uh, Director Will Waring, who's always a blast to work with. And uh, I had a really good time on that episode. In terms of uh, my episode, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very fond of Ripple Effect. That, that remains actually one of my favorites. Just with the, you know, the various versions of, of, of SG-1. And I look back and, and I think I, I, I put them up on the blog, but there were so many, the script went long. So there were many, so many scenes I had to excise. And a lot of those scenes uh, were, there were so many in jokes and references to past episodes. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of sorry that uh, they never. Uh, Saw the light up, of day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you had, t- you had Terrell back, you had JR back. Yeah. Those yeah, are, those yeah. are big pieces yeah. of Stargate canon, you know, you, that yeah. you handed us a, a a silver platter of, of wonderful yeah. content in that show for sure. Claire Cowan, Amanda kept all her scripts. What'd you do with yours? I think I might still have a couple of scripts, but uh, sadly I don't, you know, I've got, I have the digital versions, <laughs> most of the scripts, but yeah, cause uh, you started there, you know, the actors got them later and would probably put in notes. Yeah. Yeah. Heather Kowalich, a question for Joe. Tell us about the project you were working on that is now, Tell us about the project you were working on that is now a no-go. I want to know what was on your mind. Do you know what she's talking about here? Um, I, will say, I will say this. Basically, I've been, I've been working on a, uh, an adaptation of a comic book. Uh, and um, it's, it's been sh- temporarily shelved. But uh, I, I have hopes that it will, it, it will continue uh soon but i mean to be honest in this in this uh industry there are so many i mean you're you're juggling so many projects that um more often than not they they end up in 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 your project graveyard which is kind of sad uh but you know i what i will do is i will tell you if a project is is dead then i will i will definitely tell you like basically i mean there's just so many that come to mind i mean that was um um I pitched a StarCraft oh, series, and cool. uh, I remember basically I sat down and I and I watched. I think I don't know how many like like sixteen hours of gameplay. Yeah, and basically got you know got the story down and made the pitch, and it didn't go anywhere. And 
I was incredibly bummed. Absolutely. Um, that would have been yeah. awesome. Yeah. And then there was another show. It was like a horror series um, that uh, they, they, in the industry, they do something. It's almost like a bake sale. Like they, they have different um, writers pitch their take and they, essentially they pick the one they like. And I pitched a take that I thought was great, but the buyer did not think so. And they went with someone else. And then that it crashed and burned. It was canceled after one season. It kind of breaks my heart because I thought I would have, you know, done something really great with it. So, I mean, it's, it's all part of the business, sadly. For every uh, Stargate SG-1, I'm sure there are dozens and dozens of uh, missed opportunities. Yeah, you, you know, you, you do the best you can with what you got. Some days you win, yeah. some days you lose. You know, it's a competitive industry. So. It is. Free Spirit Triple Nine. What advice would you give to people who are wanting to get in on helping to make a new show uh, who don't live in Vancouver? Um, very tough. I mean, it depends on what um, you know. Basically, what you do. I mean, if you're an actor, you get yourself in front of a casting director so that when the time comes and time comes and they're looking for certain roles they'll think of you um if you're it's kind of tough if you're you know graphic designer or if you work in in in, uh in visual effects i mean this was you know there's more of a possibility but you know usually um i mean in it really depends i mean on on it's on dark matter we used one visual effects house and then for the first season and the subsequent two seasons we ended up using a bunch of different visual effects. Houses. Oh, okay. You farmed it out. Uh, whereas whereas in, on, on Stargate, we ended up creating our own in-house yes. uh, department. So, you know, it's kind of tough. I think um, just, again, depending on what, what it is you do, just keep your eye out. Um, find out uh, if, if and when the show gets a green light, find out the production, the production address and send in your resume. Absolutely. Uh, another one from Free Spirit. How would you like to see uh, the fourth uh, Stargate show progress story-wise? Kind of like flow like Game of Thrones, be more episodic, be a mix? Um, I think the best of both worlds would be great. I mean, I always like, love the fact that, um, you know, on, on, on Stargate Universe, and the kind of the same thing as, as Dark Matter, uh, even though it was more serialized, each episode pretty much had a beginning, middle, and an end. So there was kind of that satisfactory... Um, you know, standalone quality about mm. the episodes as well. So, yeah, I th- I'd say more like uh, Universe. Scotty, 0709, uh, looking back on Universe, would you change anything about that first season? Hindsight, 2020, Monday morning quarterbacking, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's It's... The further we move into the future, the, the, the velocity, uh, mm-hmm. the movements, the of of SGU season one is far more palatable because of the programming that we're watching now. It unpacks slowly, yeah. you know, yeah. like like yeah. almost any kind of programming does now. That's that's long form. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know we were able to tell those later stories like Incursion because we laid the groundwork in those early episodes like uh, Earth and Water. Um, so you know, I I I don't know what I would have necessarily done differently. 
There's a lot of talk in the the chat here about um, prequels, like how the Stargate was created, the four great mm-hmm. races, and you've already established that you're you're not a big fan of prequels. So I'm, I'm <laughs> I, not a fan of largely. Prequels. I don't. I don't. And I mean, like I said, I, I you know who knows what what uh, this the fourth series Brad yeah. will come up with, but I'm pretty sure it won't be a, se- a prequel. Yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> I mean, the, the prequels essentially you're you know you already know the end of the story. I and mean, the most kind of arguably important part of the story. Yeah. Because yeah. that story was told first. Wow. So. Free Spirit 999. Would you keep, would you like to keep the story in production to stay family friendly like SG-1 and SGA rather than like SGU or other modern TV shows that are showing more mature content? So the audience level of the fourth show. Um, You know, I kind of prefer... Um, tonally and thematically a show like uh, SG-1 and Atlantis, which is very much what Dark Matter was, um, which, I mean, not only family-friendly, but really there was a sense of family at its core mm. through SG-1, the, the, you know, the, and, and even, so, uh, you know, in, in, in universe as well. I mean, if you take away maybe, you know, the, you know the, a few scenes in, 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 uh, in Air Part 1, it, you know, it works fine. It, it was pretty much that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is yeah. some intense stuff. I mean, when Telford is having the air sucked out of him, yes. you know, yeah. that's yeah. hard to watch, you know, and not yeah. only, speaking of that air sucked out of him. Um, you look at um, uh, Riley, you know, in season two, that's a yeah. hard scene to watch, you know, yes. but yeah. what television, I mean, but, but, but we went, yeah, there were instances where we were pretty dark in 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 uh, dark matter. Atlantis as well. Oh, Atlantis, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. burying people Beckett's, alive and Beckett's death and, and Beck, uh, yeah, you know, um, uh, was it um, Shepherd feeding a guy to the wraith? Was that episode? Um, yeah, um, Miller's Crossing. Yeah, Miller's Crossing. That's yeah. pretty intense. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Ian says, were there any storylines that you wanted to write more episodes about or that you thought could have been expanded on? And where to begin on that one, probably, right? Yeah, I mean, I if we had done a sixth season, I, I remember having an idea for a, uh, a time travel uh, episode that would involve the uh, hybrid. Um, Michael's... Uh, yeah, Michael's men. Great hybrids. Yeah, yeah. So that you know that that's a missed opportunity. Uh, that dude right there on the three hundred fours. There were mysterious labels on the badges: second tactical wing, fast attack wing, deep space defense, deep space carrier. Was there a structure behind that? I imagine that was um, like the the design people probably just. I mean, they would create something and have approval for that. Weren't you like? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, that's it. I mean, everything, I mean, really more on SG-1, mm. the Air Force vetted everything, less so on, on Atlantis and, and, and Universe. But um, I think the production team took their cue from what we had, had done in SG-1. And I know Brad was kind of a stickler for, uh, you know, trying to remain as, as, as true or grounded as possible. I think I think the cool thing about that is you're you're suggesting you know through these different patches and different styles that there's there's a larger universe at play here that there's a lot more going on than we're watching on screen. So yeah, there's a bigger exactly. group of people involved. Yeah. 
Uh, Nathaniel, how would you deal with the power creep that was slowly that has slowly increased during the lifetime of the three shows? I.e., the Tauri now has ancient Asgard capability and defeated the Ori. That's a good question. Sorry, can you repeat the question? How would you deal with the power creep that is slowly increased during the lifetime of the three shows? Like uh, Daedalus or, and you know Odyssey had Asgard beam weapons. You know, right. eventually we yeah. become pretty darn powerful near the end of it. Yes, yeah, yeah. I remember actually Ben Browder be like. You know, let's find a way to get rid of that Asgard beaming technology. Like maybe there's like a, a horrible accident that, uh, yeah. you know, they ban forces it. us to pack it away. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was an issue. I mean, especially you know, in season 10 where, uh, um, you know, you, 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 you essentially have leapfrogged uh, modern technology by such, you know, an enormous bound that, that it becomes less of the show it was when it originally um, premiered. But I mean, creatively, there were always way around that. There's always issues with new technology. Mm. There's always, um, you know, I mean, those sarcophaguses sure would have come in handy on uh, many occasions. Jeez, that's the truth. Absolutely. Um, How exciting, Jonah says, uh, how exciting about the news that microbial life may exist on Venus. That is very exciting. Well, isn't that cool? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Ugly Pig. Were you ever into Euro comics, or were you all about the superhero genre? Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, I'm a big fan of Black Sad. Um, and I, I wonder if they are French comics, hmm. uh, like Valerian. No, actually, it was uh, they're actually noir. Okay. Um, it was like I think nineteen, I'd say like nineteen forties, nineteen fifties era um, uh, books. Um, with I mean, the, the characters are, are are cats and dogs, and I mean, uh, it, it's <laughs> wow. but it, it's it's an excellent series. Cats and dogs. That's actually one of my favorites. Like anthropomorphic cats and dogs? Yes. They wear trench coats and hats. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) But they're really smart uh, book series. I would highly recommend. Okay. What's it called again? Black Sad. Black and Sad. S-A-E-D. Black Sad. Yeah. Got it. Scotty 0709. Were there any more plans for the Ritu? Um, no, people always ask about the Ritu and, um, uh, what, what was a race with the bird's nests in their hair? Uh, the, the Nox. Nox. Yeah. Yeah. People always ask about the Nox and the Ritu. No. Well, the Nox are important because uh, the Nox are a, one of the, yeah. the great races. Yes. So. Yes. Cool. Um, that's interesting. I thought the Ritu, because the Ritu do get mentioned in season three. I thought that there was like a hope to bring them back. Just never could make it work. Well, I mean, to be honest with you. They never came up in the room in season four and because they were before my time. Yeah. They were not a um, a race that I necessarily would would you know got it have considered and they're effects heavy. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Denoitz, have you read any of the Fandemonium Stargate books? I have not. Okay, I'm sure they're fine products. Oh yeah, but um, I uh, you know I just I don't. Given the fact that I wrote for the show, mm-hmm. it's very unlikely that I would read. Um, a uh, a book. Got it. That makes sense. Uh, That dude right there, you shared a lot about Extinction. Uh, Mm -hmm. Any plans for more reveals in the future? Like the story behind um, Future Todd 
i.e. There, there's a Todd that comes from the future yes. into the past. Yeah. Uh, what happened to Keller? Anything with John and Taylor? Um, I think I revealed quite a bit, and I, 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 I think we I posted a bunch of scenes. Okay. We did like a a, a big um, script read through, or or at Comic Con, read through several scenes at uh, SDCC, and you revealed that uh, Elizabeth, it, in her physical form, survived. Yeah, I mean, I in, was my mind, yeah, well, in my mind, yeah. What? Where else? But where else do these things come from? But your minds. Yeah, I so. mean, in in. In the series, they assume she's dead because Oberoth says we killed her. But he's a he, he, Oberoth's he, a jerk. He's a human form re- replicator. You're going to take him for his word. So in my mind, she was always somewhere offsite. And yeah. to be honest with you, um, I think after season four, there was an intention to to potentially bring her back. Right. But you know, I just. Ghost in the machine. Yeah. Yeah. So Tori, Tori had, I think just moved on mentally. I think she brought that up and you, we were lucky enough to have her involved in dark matter. So, yeah, you know, I can't blame her for it. Uh, free spirit, triple nine. Uh, were you, were you team John Elizabeth or team John Taylor? I'm a weird and shepherd fan myself. I was uh, a team John, neither John solo, John, John solo, John Rodney. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Scotty0709, according to a GateWorld poll, fans want a, a new Stargate series to be serialized rather than episodic. Does that fact surprise you? Um, no, no. I mean, I think you can still have the best of both worlds. And television audiences have moved on in terms yep. of what they expect now. We binge. Yeah, I agree. So, yep. Akos Tamas Novaki, do you look back to Stargate rather as a job or as a fan? And can you separate the two from each other in your mind when you think back on it? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course, it was a job, but really, I look back fondly on 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 the time I had, uh, really more the experience with the people, um, and yeah, very much as 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 a fan. I mean, in terms of what we accomplished, so you know, we're three three hundred and fifty hours of sci-fi television. It's pretty damn impressive. And I look back on on a few of those years where we were producing forty episodes of television a year, which is insane insane I mean, you look, yeah you look today and 10 you know, eight yeah they're doing every 10, two years 13. yeah <laughs> so, geez man uh, mythology question and this is actually one that i considered as well i just assumed mm-hmm. that this was the case when this aired yeah. and then after the after sg1 ended i was like oh that wasn't revealed did you intend for the ori to be behind the plague that wiped out the ancients um that is a question for robert cooper rob cooper is the ori was, guy he was the architect of the Ori and the uh, Ancients. Got it. Sarah Langlois, how many writers were there for any one given episode? There was only one writer per episode. Right. However, we would get together in the room, as I said, bet- you know, between seasons, and we would spin ideas, and someone would like throw out an idea like, hey, how about an episode where, you know... You know, Shepard uh, retires and, uh, you know, opens a uh, hot dog stand and be like, what a great idea. And then we'd all throw out our support each and, other. And, and you would, you know, we would all uh, uh, generate ideas. We would break the story, as yeah. it were, on the whiteboard, five acts. And then usually the writer who came up with the idea would go off and, and write the script. That makes, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, you guys aren't an island unto yourselves, you know, and I know in mm-hmm. certain circumstances, like Martin Garrow commented on the fact that he had created, um, I forget the episode uh, uh, title for um, uh, 
for uh, season nine, but it's the episode where Daniel has the the confrontation with the uh, the prior and, and Vala's imprisoned on the alien. Is it the powers that be? Um, and mm-hmm. it, Martin had written that episode, but he there was like a scheduling thing, and Rob had to finish it. And oh. Rob basically ghost wrote a lot of it. So mm-hmm. those kinds of things had to happen every now but and then. That happens a lot, and you know. It happens on any show where the the writer's name on the script may not necessarily be the one who I don't know, they may have written part of it, mm-hmm. but maybe they wrote you know they wrote all of it if, if they if they've been with the show for a while. But mm-hmm. you know sometimes that that really wasn't the case. So yeah, it's it's always interesting to to see sort of fan reactions to certain episodes. Like why don't you bring this writer back? It's like well. Well, you can't really say anything, but right. actually, Brad wrote that episode. Right, exactly. No, you're yeah. yeah in, in many cases, that and you would have to have like a pretty thick skin. You know, you'd have to to survive a business like that. Yeah, I presented absolutely. a product. You know, Roddenberry was notorious for rewriting. You yeah. know, just ripping stuff out of the Star Trek yeah. scripts that he was given, and and a lot of people were of the writers were complaining that he was doing it just to make it his own. And it's mm-hmm. hard to say, you know, over decades of time, you know, what, what that was. The, but the end result is the content that was yeah. that was put out. Uh, uh, Stargate Props and Memorabilia Museum. Do you believe in extraterrestrial life? Um, I believe it's very possible. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I hope that life exists. I'm not sure, no. Um, no. but can't be sure. Eagle, how did it happen that General Ryan had an appearance? And I guess General Jumper, too, in Season 7. Did the yeah, Air Force reach um, out, or did you? No, I think, you know, there, there were high-level discussions, and um, I think they may have asked. And so I think it was General, uh. General Ryan was, was first. I mean, I'm always fun telling this story, but General Jumper yeah. uh, was, was in, uh, what was it, Season He was in Lost City. One. Yeah. yeah, he was on set. And he he couldn't do the the uh, the the ADR. So the set, the audio that you have of him on set is the only thing yeah. that you could use. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he yeah, and and he you know he's a very busy guy, and he came on, and I was and I remember seeing him in the hallway, and I was like, uh, you know, so is this your your first show? Or are you going to be doing anything any more guest appearances on anything else? And he's like, no, you know, he was like, this this, this is it's it's a rare exception. You know, I'm only doing SG one, and I'm like, okay. But if I turn on my TV next week and I see you on Moesha, and he's like, no, <laughs> no. So uh, I think he was. I you know, I didn't watch Moesha, but I'm pretty sure he did not put in a guest appearance. But if Moesha comes, <laughs> let me know. Corinne Cook. The more you wrote SG one, did you find the characters easier to write for, or did the, did the new situ? Okay, so the new situations didn't complicate things in that direction. No, not at all. The, 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 the the characters definitely got a lot easier to write as time went on. Also, their voices, I would think. Yeah, I mean, and, once and you internalize their voices, switch, yes, and you know exactly what Tilk would say, how he'd say it, and the same for any every other character. Who was the toughest of the original four for you to write for? To be honest, I think it was Tilk. Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, it was fun to write for him because he, you know, he had that. Um, stoicism He's about the alien. Him. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, you know, the, I don't think that any of the four of them were really hard to write for. But if I had to choose one of the four, I mean, O'Neill was always a lot of fun. 
um, because he would, you know, crack wise. And uh, Carter, you know, had that sci-fi techie grounding, which is always fun. And and Daniel had that humanity. Then again, I mean, you know, Tilk, I, I, I love um, being able to write Tilk as a fish out of water. You know, it was Murray and Point of No Return so funny. and, and, and yeah. those instances. Yeah, his episodes, uh, moving out on his own. Yeah. You know, affinity. Yeah. Affinity, so, yeah. Just for pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah. Derived Class 1, I'd love to hear Joe discuss the show's relationship with and portrayal of the U.S. military. Were you ever accused of making propaganda? <laughs> um, to the... Uh, you know... I guess I, I read I that was wrong. Personally accused. I know I've seen cre- criticisms of, of both shows. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But especially SG One, the fact their connection to to the Air Force and the fact that we're glorifying the military. Um, I initially know. read the question wrong. I, I shouldn't have chuckled so hard because I was thinking more along the lines of, "Were a Stargate program to exist, was this like a cover up?" That's how right. I. But in making propaganda like in support of the military, you yeah. know, for people who are anti-military, so. I, I must retract my chuckle. Yeah. So, um, a lot of repeats, guys. In the future, uh, please ask one question if all of you intend on jumping in like you have. So, thank you for that. TH, can you please enlighten us on the unknown enemy in Prometheus that uh, in, in the cloud? That was a cool ship, but I don't I think that that was just not meant to be explained, was it? I'm trying to remember. Grace. The, the, oh, the episode where Sam's on her own. Yeah, no, no, that was never meant to be explained. It was yeah. just one of, you know, yep. many possible races out there. Pete Mine, ballpark number. How many alien races have you come up with any future SG shows? So over the course of the... Uh, any any future SG shows? I think zero. Yeah, I mean, I I am... I am uh, I am not involved in the creation of the fourth series. This is a question for Brad Wright. Okay. I'm sure he has all your answers. Eagle, uh, the revisions device, the memory device. Uh, yeah. Who came? Who had that idea in the writing staff? That was my idea. That was my wow. episode. That's prescient. Uh, and, and that was another episode where it was it. It, uh, it was actually quite dark. The original version was was, okay. was very dark. Um, and I, I, I think I, I have the original pitch somewhere on my blog. But then talking it through with Rob, we came up with kind of like another twist. But originally, the you know, I love the idea of. Of, of this device that that you know al- allows people to forget or or essentially reboots them um, their brain yeah yeah and uh you know i think like i said it was it was originally it was envisioned as a dark episode although at the end it it, it there is kind of that bittersweet moment where uh i want to call him hauling yeah it was in hauling yeah chris hardall's uh, <laughs> first episode yeah and and yeah. basically asks uh, tell me about Sam her. To tell, to, you know, tell me about the wife he no longer remembers. Um, I loved that ending. Yeah, and yeah. what a uh, Chris hired all man. Did he go far yeah. on that show? Holy cow. Yeah. Terrific. Uh, let me see here. Yeah. What do you think about Neuralink? Elon Musk's Neuralink. I think it's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I when I, I'm, I'm, I'm dubious. Yeah. Frankly. Once you unlock someone's brain and it mm-hmm. has a Wi-Fi that you can't shut off, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be in the first batch. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you that mm-hmm. right now. Um, uh, let me see. Orville Nation. Who came up with Shepard calling Ronan a Chewy? Uh, that 
I believe was an improv on Joe's part. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Watcher 652 vids. Are the replicated team uh, SGA1 actually dead? We didn't see them dead, did we? I think they're talking about the... She ta- are they talking about the team in um, Be All My Sins in uh, This Mortal Coil? I think they died, didn't they? Yeah. If, it's, if, if they're the ones from uh, This Mortal Coil, then yes, they did die. Yeah. Sorry if I Sadly. missed that one. Yeah. So, um, that's that's pretty much it. Thank you guys so nice. much for all of these questions. I had Thank you. no expectation of that. Uh, but in the future, please do submit one so that everyone has a voice. <laughs> so, Joe... Um, Oh, we ran over. I apologize for that, but it means so much to us to have you here uh, moving forward on this journey together. The next time that we have you on, I'll reach out to you for dates. Uh, We're going to go right back to um, Scorched Earth and move forward with Window of Opportunity. Obviously, that's going to be, you know, a highlight of everyone's. So uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for asking me to join. Uh, Best of luck with your show. And uh, thanks to the fans. I'll see you guys soon. Thank you so much, sir. You take care of yourself. I'll be in touch with you. I'm going to go take the dog out now. (laughs) Absolutely. You be well. Bye-bye. Joseph Malazzi, everyone. Uh, Joe, thank you again for joining. And everybody out there, thank you so much for watching. I I opened up the document for the fan questions, and I realized it was 10 pages long. I... I mean, this show just launched. <laughs> I did not expect to have this many. So we're going to have to figure out a means of calling that down. A lot of people uh, asked repeat questions, which was fine for this particular episode. But in the future, please ask one. And moderators, if you guys could um, make sure to, to make that uh, point and uh, just make sure that that's, that's what's the case on the end here. Questions for me. Um, where did the board go? The Borg is upstairs in my bedroom now, Tracy. Uh, the um, the Stargate characters that are going to be, be where this Jaffa are are out in my hallway. If if everyone's interested, at some point I'll do a walk through the house. It's basically a Stargate museum. But the Jaffa is here for the weekend. I may switch him out for Flanagan tomorrow with my next Stargate, my next character from Stargate Atlantis. But his helmet is so tall that. I mean, I risk damaging him, bringing him in and out of rooms. So that's a thing. Uh, Raj says, what are your favorite episodes? For season, for for SG-1, it's probably Heroes. For Atlantis, it's it's Sunday. Uh, Martin Garrow uh, and I were talking about Sunday when season one was in production. So we, we would chat a lot, and he was telling me about that idea. So in many respects, you know, I, I felt almost, but not exactly, having been a part of that process while he was talking through uh, developing that episode. So Sunday was really the, the biggest one for me. And for SGU, it's epilogue, unquestionably. Um, to know it. Every time I try to use the forms on the website, I'm told they're not working. We should check on this. Uh, so what's happening is you're using a mobile device. So when you go to uh, uh, dialthegate.com and you scroll to the bottom to submit questions to the show, you're going to need to be doing that on a PC or a Mac. I don't know when we're going to have a fix for this, but the intent is to have you know something in place at some point. Until then, you're going to have to do it on a physical uh, computer. A mobile device is not going to work. So you can click on Contact the Show. Right now, you can submit questions to uh, Rob Cooper and Andy Frizzell because they are going to be our previously recorded guests. 
And beneath that, you can also submit uh, Stargate trivia as well. And Linda Gategabber, she's she's helping me uh, organize those. The questions that um, that Joe gave off, I believe. Let me see who that was submitted by because I did not ask uh, him to provide credit to that person. And I do definitely want to give them credit for that. Plachu. Gesundheit. So, yeah, Plachu was the one who submitted, I believe, the questions for that one. And if not, I'll uh, I'll get it. I'll get a caning for sure. But I, I believe Plachu submitted those questions. Uh, still a first week, a first for a lot of things this week. So we're gonna we're gonna iron things out and get things uh, straightened out. I really appreciate everyone uh, submitting their questions for Joe and the trivia questions as well. So this is this is this episode proves that things are working, and that's that's a good thing. Uh, any other questions for me? So I addressed the the issue with the form right now. You can't do it on mobile. Room setup looks great. Uh, brain shatterer, thank you very much. I worked hard on it. So the trivia uh, questions that will win you these two concept art are now on the wall. The concept art from the trivia are now on the wall. Uh, Gate Gab, can we get entire an entire episode on Heroes? I know Terrell hasn't ever watched it, perhaps uh, with one of the writers. My intent going forward here, and Terrell is going to be on later on in this year, my intent moving forward is for commentaries. Some of them will be live. Some of them will probably be pre-recorded if they're not all pre-recorded. We, Diana Botsford and I, the, uh, the novelist, the Stargate novelist, she and I recorded commentaries for a separate show that we were developing years ago called Dial Home. So I've used every combination of dial that you can possibly imagine at this point. Uh, but Dial Home was the original idea behind Dialing Home, and it was going to be a podcast. And for Dial Home, we had Alexis Cruz uh, record a commentary for the feature film. We had Catherine Powers record, the writer, record a commentary for Emancipation. And we had Jay Akavone record a commentary for uh, The Enemy Within, and we participated with him. And I still have that. So... I am more than welcome, I'm more than happy to release that content to all of you uh, at the beginning of the year. Uh, so you can get an idea of what the commentaries are going to be like. And they were great commentaries, I have to say. They were fantastic. I wasn't a big fan of Emancipation. And then we sat down with Catherine and we walked through the process together of developing that episode, the Mongol culture, you know, the yurts and everything that went into that. And I went away really respecting that. So that's... um. Uh, that's some content that we'll be releasing. I just have to get uh, uh, Diana's permission and the permission of the people uh, who in, uh, were involved in those. And they're already involved in the show anyway. So we've essentially got commentaries in the bag. But yes, commentaries are the goal. I would love to have David and Paul sit down and do Sunday. Would love that. Um, Dean Devlin, I'm hoping that, you know, after our conversation with him next week, we'll get him invested in uh, uh, doing a commentary with some of the cast and crew. So I don't want to repeat what's already been done. The commentaries that exist out there now are fine. This is supplementary material. That's the intent of this podcast. Uh, let's see here. That's it. That's all that I have from you guys. So if you like what you've seen, please give us the like button. The YouTube algorithm is very specific. And if you want other Stargate fan, if you want more of this content, pressing that like button will put this episode and others 
well, specifically this episode, because it's, you liked this one, in front of other Stargate fans for it to be seen. So that's a huge help, and I do appreciate that. If you want uh, to be around for future episodes when they air live, you can subscribe and click the bell icon. Your, your device will notify you when we go live. Thank you, everyone, for submitting the questions that you did. This, this episode was just over the top. Uh, submitted with questions and every, I, I'm blown away. I have no words. Someone's been, someone's been making fun of me for saying over the moon twice last week. I'm over the moon. So Summer, Keith, Tracy, Ian, you guys are princes and princesses. Thank you so much for everything that you've done. I'm going to get rolling here. I think that this is, um, this is good. This is good. Joseph Malazzi. Thank you again, sir. Tony Amendola from earlier today. Thank you again. Tomorrow, we have scheduled Joe Flanagan at 12 p.m. Pacific time. Colonel John Shepard right here. So be sure to stick around uh, live to ask your questions. You can go to dialthegate.com and click on the time that's listed on the website, and it will open you up to the corresponding portal uh, YouTube link for that episode. Wyvern Gaming, Brad Ellis and Wesley Walker are going to be joining us at 2 p.m. Pacific time. They're going to be taking your questions uh, regarding their uh, Kickstarter and the upcoming SG-1 role-playing game. The Kickstarter blew out its expectations in like the first three hours they'd met their goal and they're just heading stretch goal after stretch goal right now so this is really exciting guys thank you again for i'm not going to belabor the point i'm going to get out of your hair uh we already went over in this episode anyway which is a blessing thanks so much to joe thank you all for sticking around my name is david reed this has been dial the gate and tomorrow we'll be back again for more shows so i'll see you on the other side Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producer is Darren Sumner, co-produced by Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acree. Animations by Bryce Ors. The production assistant is Jennifer Kirby. Moderators include Summer Roy, Keith Homel, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots, with contributions by model makers Chris Baker, Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes, at dialthegate.com. <laughs>